Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who's, he's not the world's most physical guy, but when his girlfriend squeezes him tight, she almost breaks his spine. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was a referral from one of our recent guests, Rosalie. His most recent record came out in November of 2020. It's called Staunch Honey. And I think we're going to talk about that. Please welcome to the podcast, David Nance. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing? Pretty all right. I got my uh, kava tea here. I got a glass of water. I got my shirt on. My uh, <laughs> suggested shirt to wear on you know i'm set you are all set to go all right well let's jump into this so premise of our podcast it's fairly simple we talk about music but as we do at the beginning of each episode we ask the all-important question so you already alluded to this david so what what t-shirt are you wearing i'm wearing a a christiana christania t-shirt just like a squatter's village or squatters part of town in Copenhagen. Uh, and I thought it was pretty apropos for the episode, but, uh, oh, you know, okay. so it says Christiania hash it underneath. And then it's got a, like a dude leaning back on a stool. He's got, he's got his legs up on another stool and he's smoking a big old joint is a uh, Christiania is kind of like where you go and buy weed in Copenhagen, but it's like a tourist trap, like kind of like, it, it was like a squatter's thing in the seventies that you could buy anything, any kind of drugs or whatever. And then it got a little more regulated as time went on, I guess, but, uh, you can buy drugs there. <laughs> that, that sounds like we need, we need a picture of that, that shirt. It sounds like <laughs> I'll get you a picture. Right. Yes. All right, Wayne, how about you? What t-shirt are you wearing? I, man, I actually struggled with this and, uh, I just I didn't have anything cool enough, but I did find something that used the violin uh, fairly often in their songs. I have one of my early flogging Molly shirts on. Okay, that works. All right, um, and I'm wearing one of my Nirvana T-shirts because I just felt like it's one of his one of Kurt's favorite bands. One of Kurt's favorite bands. That's how I came to know about the Raincoats was because of Kurt. Um, you know, back in the early nineties, we did just about everything that Kurt told us to do. Um, or, or, or not. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it's, I have two Nirvana t-shirts. My, my kids bought both of them for me for different Christmases. So it's, uh, just a performance photo of uh, them. They probably got it at target for like, you know, 15 bucks or whatever. But you, you it's said, still cool. So you said you're wearing this because, Kurt hyped up the record. And, yeah. And I heard that like after the fact too, was that like pretty prominent with it? Like I, I how was that like in spin magazine or something? I think I it was think Rolling it was Stone. Stone. Yeah. I thought it was Rolling Stone yeah. that, that okay. uh, he, he, he threw that out there. So, you know, of course, immediately we're like, who are these raincoats that he's talking about? We got to mm-hmm. go check them out. Mm-hmm. So that's about the extent of it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what else, what what other bands did he hype up? Besides Hole, of course. Oh, I mean, like, I, yeah, I don't remember anything else from the list. 
I mean, was he doing like Melvin's and big? Oh black? yeah, he was a big. <laughs> he was one of their buddies. Right, but so, I mean, but I guess besides friends bands, is that what you're saying? Like Flipper or something like that. Any big flip? Well, I think they had a. He listed his like 50 favorite bands and his 50, or his 50 favorite records yep. and 50 favorite songs. So, so there was a list. Yes. Yeah. Because there's like that, like the Nurse with Wound list. You ever heard of that one? You ever heard of that band? No. Oh, is I mean, it's just kind of like a like a good go to for like outsider weirdo shit. Um, and that's and so, so you know this seems like a like a a higher level of that, or like a, a more pop culture friendly version of that. You know, like yeah. a, the influential thing. You dig? It's tough. Yeah, I you know what I should have I should have found the list. Did you did you have the list anywhere? I'm trying to look at it. We got we we got fuck Kurt. We got stop making this about Kurt though. It's <laughs> about <laughs> these chicks. Yeah, well, okay. So so some of the other ones that I remember was like I felt justified because he said that get the knack deserved to be on his on his list, and I was like, yeah, okay. Because you know, at that song. point. At that point, I felt like the knack was kind of reviled. Yeah. So the fact that he brought it up and then Reality Bites, the movie, that was, there was a prominent scene with, with my Sharona. And I'm like, yes, finally, the knack is getting yeah, its get the just knack. due. He's got, got Bad Brains, Black Flag, Butthole Surfers on here. The first one on yeah. the list is Raw Power by the Stooges. Mm. Surfer Rosa by the Pixies is on here. Rocks by Aerosmith, Green by R.E.M., Combat Rock, which I don't, I don't know, that would have been a, my class choice. but That would not have been my class choice. but oh, That's, that's cool. a great one. Lead Belly's on here, Youth of America, Mazzy Star. So it's, the list it's, is pretty, out there. it's pretty like well-known shit. It's not like, like digging deep, really obscure stuff. There's a little bit. Um, Marine Girls? I don't know Marine Girls. Do you know Marine Girls? Beat Happening. Beat Tales of Japanese. Terror. Yeah, they're they're big. Or I don't know. I I guess my I I might have a different sense of big than you guys. <laughs> you know, big might be pretty relative here. Yeah, I guess my my reasoning was: Were you on a major label? Like if uh, I if I went into if I went into the the box chain of record stores back in the nineties, could I find uh-huh. you? Mm. Right. And and you weren't finding the raincoats at, you know, a Sam Goody, for instance. Yeah, you know, funny enough, like I actually found this C D in uh my hometown of Grand Island, Nebraska at this Hastings, which okay. blows blows my mind. You know? Just thinking about how outsider it is. I can't believe I found it there. And is, I, I mean, there, there was so much shit that wasn't there, but that this was there is like yeah. pretty nuts. Is, is Hastings still a thing? As far as I know, no. Okay. Because I know that there, so I, I'm in Florida and I don't uh-huh. recall ever seeing a Hastings, but that was more of a Midwest to West type of, type of thing. And so I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like, I didn't really leave Nebraska until I was like past eighteen, you know. So I didn't know of his existence outside of Nebraska. <laughs> so where did you grow up in Nebraska? Grand Island. 
which is how far from like Omaha? Uh, two hours west. It's okay. right smack dab in the middle, but it's 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 like the fourth biggest city. But you know, there's not a college there, so it, it's just like strip malls and corn, and <laughs> it's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a bummer. <laughs> and now you're you're in Omaha now, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. Out. Okay. Because you're not you're not our first guest from Omaha, so we also had shut the fuck up. Yeah, we had female singer songwriter Casey Clifford on a few months ago. Huh? I don't know her. Okay, her um her husband. She said her husband also does music, and I I should have written down what bands he's in, but he's he's in that area as well. Okay. Um. Anyways. So, so you grew up in what? What is it? Grand Island. Mm-hmm. So, what were you listening to there? Considering that there wasn't a college radio station, for instance, like how were you getting turned on to, you know, bands like the Raincoats and? It, it took it took a while, you know. Like I think, I I think I wasn't even really aware of anything outside of like mainstream music until I was like 14 or 15. That might even be liberal, like 16. I don't know. Somewhere young like that, you know, like, like growing up, like rock really wasn't important to me. I was just like in vogue or like, uh, I, I, who, who else would be in that time? Like TLC or something like that. Like my first tape was like crazy, sexy, cool. Well, that's a good uh, one though. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I still can listen to it and love it. And you know, Absolutely. how much, can you say that about your past? But you know, like uh, or like underground music, music that's made by people. Like I didn't start even knowing was a thing. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, like I think when I was sixteen, like someone made me a CD with like the Cramps and Television and the Mummies, um, Mummies, Oblivions, the Gories, which that was all like gateway stuff, pretty heavy. I remember I got a, a Retard's. CD not fucked enough, which is a really funny CD to get shipped to your parents' house when <laughs> they don't know what you're listening to. But that all that stuff kind of you know got me really hungry, got me thinking that music was something you could actually make, you know, without any sort of skill. And then hearing an album like this was like, fuck, man! Like you can do so much with so little. Yeah, it's it's so inspiring, so beautiful. Were your parents into music? Nah, not really. I mean, like you know, uh, like we had like the the Neil Diamond Christmas album. Yeah, all right. Your parents sound like my parents then. So you, your parents had a heavy collection uh, of Johnny Mathis. Oh, oh, you said you like your parents. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Your parents were like my parents that, you know, mm-hmm. easy listening. And that was that was kind of the deal. So who is getting you? Who is connecting you? Did you have an older brother? Did you have mm-hmm. friends that were into you yeah. know, weird stuff? There, there were some bands around Grand Island that were doing, uh, you know, that were like going to Omaha, going to the record shops there. Yeah. And getting into stuff and then bringing it back here. And then this was like right around the time, like, uh, like Kazaa was going on. So like you could, you could download like some things. Yeah. Uh, 
but I was still going to the uh, Hastings to get CDs a lot. This sounds like a Chuck Klosterman essay. <laughs> oh, does it? Because <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in Iowa, and he's a he, you know he. A lot of his essays are talking about how you know he got all of his music choices initially from you know watching MTV and that kind of deal. Because oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I remember they used to do that like. There were like some particular times of MTV news where they would do like like when South by Southwest was going on or something, or they had some band they were trying to push on you that was like a rock band. Like I remember seeing annual notice by the Trail of Dead. Okay. And, and be like, fuck, you know, like <laughs> smash their shit up and like that. But not being able to I think that that was like a little earlier, maybe it was like twelve or something like that. And seeing something like that and knowing it exists but not having a fucking clue how to find it you right. know before downloading so it puts a number there but when it was okay for people to smash their guitars uh, yeah now people just smash before guitars before Phoebe Bridgers I mean you know nothing wrong with that you gotta do the thing but it's funny cause yeah I saw that too like the week before they had Machine Gun Kelly on he smashes guitar so it's just like anyone with a guitar is gonna smash it now sure so what, and if you I get it like especially it's a cathartic thing you're in front of a lot of people it feels good to break something like fuck yeah i'm not saying i'm above it i've done it you know <laughs> so i shouldn't judge i shouldn't judge at all that's what i'm trying to say i just think that she's awesome did did you see the 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 twitter exchange between her and david crosby no <laughs> She's pretty. So she's pretty good at social asked, media. That'd be cool. Oh, it's so good. So, so somebody, somebody tweeted at David Crosby his opinion of Phoebe smashing her guitar, and he basically was like, it's "Pathetic." Uh-huh. And so her 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 response to that was, "Little bitch." <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so. I don't know if it's still up, but uh, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love her. She's what else he's supposed to call something like that? Yeah, and I'm like, I what mean, else? Yeah, is, I mean, was that like someone at like was that him saying it unsolicited, or was that some asking of his opinion? Somebody was asking his opinion, oh. and so he basically said it was pathetic, and so so he's, her response, yeah. So they're like baiting him because they know they're gonna say, oh yeah, it. yeah, to- totally. Because I mean, look. This is the same guy who basically said Eddie Van Halen was just okay. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, people are definitely baiting David Crosby to step in his own crap. So whatever. Um, right. Where are we going with this? <laughs> no, we're good. We started talking about broken guitars. So oh, yeah. anyways, so so you, you saw Trail of the Dead. Um, did I say it right? And you will know us by the trip. You will know us by the trip. You will know us by yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you saw them on MTV. Was was there other stuff that you saw on on MTV that you're just like, I got to check them out. Um, I remember, uh, I remember like another moment, like VH1 did like the number or a hundred best rock bands of all time, and like Fugazi and Husker Du were on there. Which, frankly, I remember watching those and thinking, like, fuck, they sound cool. And then I got Repeater, and I didn't like it. And I got Zen Arcade. I didn't really like it at the time. Like, and I think that stuff, like, late Fugazi really nev- never really caught with me. Um, yeah. Husker Du is, like, th- there's definitely 
yeah, there's some some shit I really like that I grew to like out of that. But I, like in the moment, it was like I don't I don't know. Maybe I was too. I mean, you, but there was also like all that like fucking garage rock shit that was getting you know like the Strokes and the Vines right. and uh, White Stripes is getting pushed in my face too. Which I yeah I fucking dig all that shit. I ate all that shit up for real hard. <laughs> yeah, with so with Zen Ar- Arcade was that was that because it it did really feel like an about face from all the big production stuff of what you were listening to? Honestly, I just remember like seeing the, the shit on TV with like the footage of them, you know, or it's yeah. just like like eight millimeter footage and you know that they're wearing fucking trashy jeans and like two of the members are fat you know it's like bands aren't supposed to look like this this is cool (laughs) you know yeah well and the message is anybody can do this yeah for sure for sure there it is that's what we're talking about (laughs) yeah absolutely um maybe we're jumping the gun with uh <clears throat> talking about raincoats and 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 whatnot. Uh, why don't we talk about your music first? Uh, sure, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> talk about something really important. I like the raincoats. Well, about you my know, music we, yeah, we want to promote you know what you're what you're doing. Not 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 just talking. I about appreciate that. Really, yeah. really great album. So, Staunch Honey mm-hmm. came out um, end of last year. Did did it feel weird? releasing a record in the middle of not being able to go out and promote it with tours and seven days after this election. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. (laughs) It felt very (laughs) weird to promote something during that time. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you I, it was made. It's going to do it, you know? Uh, But yeah, no, it's cool. Like it's, it's wild because it's sold out which is I've never done that. I mean, you know, like the, the record before that on the label we're on, we had a tour for like two years to sell it And this one, you know, it was like a month. It was sold out. So it's fucking wild and it's getting repressed and that's, it, you know, it's like a thousand. It's not that many, but in my eyes, it's no, my eyes, it's huge. It's like, yeah. like I can retire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, were people just feeling like, hey, you're an indie artist, we we need to support you, or do you feel like you've you've built up the audience to the point where you know you press a thousand records and people are going to gobble those up? Well, I no, I did I did not know that at all. Um, I mean, I definitely think it was like people people are buying records more now. I think than before or yeah. maybe they maybe the same i don't know you know that could be a part of stir craziness that people are buying it no i think i think people are buying more records because like at the yeah. beginning of of 2020 you know i could easily go out to ebay and buy like you know a lot of old records you know 10 or 15 records yeah. and pay 20 bucks for it and now good good luck like mm-hmm. every time I bid on, you know, a lot that has a couple records that I want in it, um, I'm getting outbid at, you know, thirty, forty dollars and I'm like, ah, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I'm only big. in it for the treasure part of it. Yeah. You know? It's it's vicious right now. Yeah, I, I sell records and it's like it's a whole thing, man. <laughs> it's wild yeah. there. Yeah, you're probably doing pretty good good uh good selling right now. I've been getting lucky, which is nice. That's good. Yeah. That's good. 
like rare records? Uh, whatever I can find, you know, sometimes, uh, I just, you know, like go and thrift them or like people in town are selling their records off and go and buy yeah. them. And it's always crapshoot. Um, sometimes I wonder if I bought any records from you, I hope, I, I hope if you did, you'd be satisfied. <laughs> uh, that a sentence doesn't make any sense. I try to be a good seller. I pack it nice. I'm responsive. That's it. That's mm-hmm. that's all we ask. Oh of our shit! Sellers. I should pump myself. Western Records on Discogs. Yeah, you've mentioned on Discogs. The, uh, yeah, Discogs. Mention the uh, Records Revisited podcast, and I'll cut you ten percent off your, your deal. There. Very good. There we go. <laughs> all right. I love it. You have to you, you and you have to name drop us the Records Revisited podcast discount. Yes. Yeah. Only this. Uh huh. Only by name. Yeah. All right. Uh, Staunch Honey. So, mm-hmm. t- so two really great records that came out in 2020 had Honey in the title, and I'm talking about Local Honey from Brian Fallon. Did that have any any say in the matter of of you naming your record Staunch Honey, or was that kind of already decided before? Brian Fallon. I'm sorry. Who is it? You don't know Brian Fallon? No. Who's it? The Gaslight Anthem. No. What's that? Oh, oh, you, we, we've you've got some homework to do. <laughs> well, I've, ne- I've never heard of that. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of uh, Wayne and my favorite favorite guys. Oh, okay, we've been. Uh, he was the lead singer of the Gaslight Anthems. Done a number of other side projects. What what's one of? Give give me uh, one of the side projects, Wayne. The Horrible Crows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Phil- Philadelphia scene. Oh, I love New Jersey Philly. scene. I love Philly. Yeah. I never heard of this guy. That's wild. He's so he's current, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um. And and really not probably in your circles because I I think um he's a little more um. Uh, what what would. How, how would you? I guess. I guess my question for you, David, is: is how do you describe your music? Because I was telling somebody that what I was listening to was like lo-fi, and they're like, "What? What is lo-fi?" <laughs> and and I, I guess I was going to save this for the discussion on the band and the album that you chose, but maybe maybe we just need to talk about that right now. So that's kind of a whole genre and a subset of music is to do the lo-fi but i don't know if that is offensive to people who are who are making music well see yeah i you know i mean i think that's just a a way to say cheaply recorded yeah and (laughs) that's that's very much what i do is trying to making things on very cheap things because i don't you know i don't i can't make Every time I've been in a studio around that kind of stuff, I just can't make a good thing. So, and I, I don't have that much money. I don't, I don't feel that comfortable with computers. I got tape deck and uh, the Tascam 488. Uh, it's a very beautiful machine. But I yeah. do all my stuff on that, and I feel really comfortable on it. But also, I don't. I don't know. My ears are kind of perverse. Like you say, lo-fi to something. I'd say like, damn. I think that's like a really impressive record for how they got it to sound <laughs> so i think my, my ears are pretty fucked you know like talking about lo-fi or something like that 
Yeah, and and I don't and it I don't see it in a derogatory term. No, like I got corrected. No. Yeah, I got corrected a few years ago. So like you know, 15 years ago I was writing I was writing CD reviews back when, mm-hmm. you know, CDs were still a thing. Sure. And I did a review about Richard Buckner. Do you know Richard Buckner? I don't. Um, I think you would really dig him. So I, I think I reviewed, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Dents and Shells. So I think that was 2004, 2005 timeframe. And I said something about his production work. And I said something like, you know, if he had a full studio and an engineer, this album would sound absolutely amazing because he's a really great, you know, songwriter. And one of the fellow, um, the fellow's, uh, writers said, well, he's trying for the more lo-fi sound. Like he's trying to be, you know, uh, Elliot Smith type of type of sound. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, if that's what you're going for, then you totally succeeded. <laughs> nailed it. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm not saying lo-fi as a, as a derogatory term. I just, I think that that's for for some bands. That's kind of what they're going for. Like, are you telling me that Yola Tango couldn't couldn't make a Warner Brothers type of REM record? You know, from the nineties, they totally could. Are they ever going to do that? Hell no. I mean, see, that's the thing. It's like I hear Yola Tango records. Like, damn, that sounds like it's in a nice studio. You know, that's a point of reference, you know? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I get it. So, so you're doing, you're doing everything pretty much your own self. Cause I was looking at the credits on your record in, um, like, like a song, which probably is my favorite one, which is, uh, when the covers come off. Oh, sick. Is that pretty much all you? Yeah, that's all me. You're going to love it. So the drums on that, that's, uh, 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 like a water dispenser, like a two gallon water dispenser and, uh, awesome. the shaker, it's, uh, this, uh, tahini tin filled with quinoa. Let me get more hippie than that. And then the, the, the back of a chair with a drumstick, that's, that's the percussion on it. Okay. But like on that record, like that, the guy that normally plays great. drums with me, he, he did the drums on, uh, five of the tunes, Kevin, Kevin Donahue. He's sick. Okay. Um, but that one, it was like, yeah, he, he only did five of them. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Kevin played <laughs> drums on five. I just want to give a shout out to my boy, Kev, played drums on five of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Way to go, Kevin. Um, but you're not on my favorite song on the oh. record. <laughs>
one other question. So this side of the moon, are you saying bad medicine? Yeah. You're, you're saying bad medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody ask you to do a uh, Bon Jovi mashup of that song? What's Oh, your love is like bad medicine. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I would do a Bon Jovi cover. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Give, give, give me credit when you do the mashup. I want to hear <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Oh, mashup. No, it would be a straight <laughs> cover. I wouldn't mash it up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pervert okay. Bon Jovi's perfect song with my bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so tell me, I know that you've got some David Nance group records out, but there's, but this was just credited under David Nance. So how are you deciding, um, when to get all the guys together like Kevin on the drums and as opposed to doing, you know, some of the songs like when the covers come off all by yourself. The the record before was, you know, we'd been touring for a while and you know, it was after like a year of touring we made the record. So it was just like, oh, we should just make it with the band. We play these songs. You know, it took a couple days. It just I'm always looking for the easiest path even though it doesn't turn out that way most of the time, but I'm looking for the easiest path to make a record. And like the first the piece okay. of slightly pulverized, that was just a band in a room, three days, maybe like a couple overdubs, just very straightforward. James, uh, James Schroeder, uh, guy plays guitar with me. He recorded all that. Um, but then for the next record, I just wanted to make something different. I want a different vibe. You know, I don't want to make the same record. And we weren't really touring the new songs and I just kind of wanted to, make a more textured album. I don't know if it comes off that way, but I feel like it's very, uh, textured and rhythmic and, uh, you know, stuff, uh, like zone, you can get, you get a zone easier with it or something, you know, or it's not as yeah. aggressive and like, yo, listen to me. It's just like, kind of, it's kind of music, Muzak. Yeah. It's definitely music. <laughs> it's close to music. And like not in a bad, not in a bad. I'm like I love music and I love records that like okay. can can be in the background. And it's like oh, if you want to listen to them and look at them, there is something going on, but it doesn't make you do that. Like it's it's uh, yeah, was it indifferent music? <laughs> was it, I think there's like a Eno thing there. with like what was it another Green World? Like uh, that record had he had like a particular genre where it was like. I forget it's something fucking awesome, but like non, like non, whatever the fuck. That's actually on my list of records that I'm going to listen to for the first time in 2021. Oh, it's a great record, man. Yeah, it's what I've heard. Everybody's told me that I need to check it out, so I'm. It's on my list. Um, I haven't done a very good job of keeping up with my list, but that that <laughs> they're. I signed up to do this music writers experience where you're li- where you listen to an album every day in the month of February that you probably should have and you haven't yet. And so um, that's that's one that's on my list. I just listened to um, Janelle Monet today, Wayne. Nice. Oh, I haven't heard her stuff. She's uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you're if you, um, you know, to go back to what you were saying about you know TLC, mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe, only much more naughtier. Oh, okay, sexy. Yeah. Wow. So who doesn't like sexy anyways. music? Yeah, Puritan endorsement. 
Puritan. Yeah. Like and, and endorsement for Dirty Computer. Really good record. Oh, um, that's, a good, that's a good album title. Yeah, that's a good album title. Um, all right. Last question that I've got on, on uh, your record, Staunch Honey. So... Get, give me the give me the story about um, the your your merchandise song. So is that is that directed at somebody? Oh, it's, it's about my phone. You know, <laughs> really? I think it's about my phone, like owning me. You know, just like the times and you're just like fucking hypnotized by it, and you're just hitting all the buttons. And you know, you know why you're hitting the buttons. Yeah, I feel like that's what that's about. All, all of our product. I did not catch that vibe that it was about a phone. That's awesome. All right. It was, glad I, I don't want to just say it's about. What do you think it's about? That's that's what's more I, interesting. I, I, I like <laughs> to keep my shit vague. So it's like, you know, I'm writing about what I'm writing about, but if it conjures up a different image, like that's that's way cooler cuz people usually come I don't know. I just we're totally fixated on t-shirts on, on this podcast. So I thought that maybe there was an experience of somebody trying to steal one of your t-shirts. Oh no, 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 no. From the, from the merch booth. And, um, yeah. So no, I like the phone. I like the phone interpretation way better. Yeah. I wish I wouldn't have to write a song like that, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah. How many hours a day do you do you spend on your phone? Like, does it tell you? Dude, I don't. I don't even look at that shit. I fucking throw up. I saw it's. I mean, especially now. Now that like this this shit where we're just isolated, you know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely gone up. I mean, there's times where I gotta just like leave it in the other room to go into the other room for 15 minutes and then come back to it. You know, like you know, it's just uh, we don't want to talk. Yeah. Wayne, have you looked to see how, how, how much you're spending on, on your phone a day? I, and the iPhone, like it texts it to me like every Sunday. Sunday. And it, I was actually surprised that it was much lower than I thought, but I'm also, I, I'm on a computer a lot at work. So I think yeah. I'm, I'm subletting. Yeah, I'm on it way too much just because of podcasts, listening to podcasts, listening to Spotify and having my headphones on yeah. while I'm working. So, you know, every Sunday it tells too. me, yeah, every every Sunday it tells me your you your usage was down 11%, but you're still at 6 hours. Yeah. So, it's depressing. Yeah, it's it de- really especially when you're using your phone for work or something like that. It's like, well, I can't this is how I make my money now through this fucking thing. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you, do you do? Do you do a lot of stuff through your phone? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, especially just like hunting for records. Like that's pretty <laughs> right. Pretty important. Uh, but um, also, 
you know, selling things online for my music. What's the what's the furthest you've driven to to get a record to buy a record? Oh, not far. Nothing. Or a cra- record collection. Not nothing crazy. I I haven't left Omaha. Um, okay. Yeah, and this is this is kind of like a I figured out I can do this kind of thing during the the pandemic. So it's what I've been trying to do. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, so David, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose the first Raincoats record, their self-titled album from 1979 on Rough Trade. Okay. Um, probably best known for two reasons. Uh, number one, well, we, we talked about number one that Kurt talked about it. Second is there's a cover of Lola from the kinks on this record, Mm -hmm. which people know. Um, and also that hole covered one of the songs, the void. Was it on her? Was it on her first record or second record? Wayne, do you recall? Um, it wasn't on Live Through This, so I don't really know because that's the or, or Celebrity Skin, which are the only two records I listened to. Okay, yeah, of hers either. Never of was, theirs, never was a big fan of Courtney. So, oh, she's all right. Yeah, I really liked Celebrity Skin, even though I thought I shouldn't, but I really did. I think Billy Corrigan's influences on there. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember hearing her songs when I was a kid and liking them. There was a there's a really romantic one from the first record. I can't. It's uh, maybe it's not uh, Malibu. That one, romantic no, sounding. Yeah. I like that song. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's on Celebrity Skin. Uh, that's that. I I enjoyed that record. It it sounded completely different. Is the, a lot of people think Kurt Cobain ghost wrote most of the stuff on Live Through This. They usually say that shit about which women. I could definitely hear. Right. Yeah. It's like oh she yeah. can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't know why I've never been a big fan. Um, I don't know. Oh. I and I'm yeah, and I'm and I'm not going to pay for that therapy session <laughs> either. So it's all good. Um, all right. So you already mentioned you found this at a Hastings. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think I had downloaded it before. Okay, I found it online, but then I was like, I want I want this thing, you know. I want the CD with the liner notes and whatever and found yeah. found it at a Hastings fucking crazy. Did did this send you on a Raycoats um rabbit hole? Did you go and buy other Raincoats records? No, or? man, I like just stuck with this one. It took me years to move past it. Honestly, I th- yeah, I think it was like years later I heard Oddy Shape and the Kitchen Tapes and stuff like that, which which are okay. great, but they still just don't have the hooks in me like this one. Yeah, and um, so my process is I always try and listen to, I always try and listen to the the record before and after, and of course there is no before since this is the debut. So I did li- listen to is it Audi Shape, mm-hmm. um, and that felt more like it felt more like a Patty Smith record mm. when she's you know really going through her artsy phase. Which sometimes it works for me, um, and other times it's just like, okay, I'll I'll 
I'll listen to this for the sake of art, but it's probably not one that I'm going to come back to. Like this seems like a record that you come back to. Yeah, this thing blew me away. Like I, I just listened to the I listened to to David's uh, record once on a walk on Sunday, but I listened to this repeatedly. It's uh, it's got that raw energy of punk, and even and the first track really kind of it. It's almost like they want to ease you in, but it's so different. It every it's just. It, it blew my mind the way they use the violin and the drums. Uh, just it, it fucking killed me. I loved it's it. How many different vibes it goes through, but all sounds like the same thing. Like it's never like they're yeah. trying to be anyone else. You can hear the influences perfectly distilled. It's a unit. Like nothing else sounds like it. It's still like there's things that try to emulate it, but it's still just so fucking singular. I, I, I yeah, there's so many people I can hear their influ- the the raincoats influence on them now having heard this. Right. I mean, there's Debbie Harry, um, Ash Sibomato, uh, the Go Go's, the waitresses. Every I mean, you can hear now hearing this. I can hear, I can hear that influence in these other bands. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will say this before we you know go track by track. And and Wayne, you can chime on this. So a few days ago, we recorded an episode about Donald Fagan's The Nightfly. Mm. So Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. Yeah. So prepping for this epi- episode, for that episode where everything is like production, production, production. And then the very next album we dive in deep is The Raincoats, which is not really about production, but it's it's punk, it's whatever you want to call it. I I don't know, Wayne, if you had a case of a little bit of this definitive 180. I felt like I got maybe a little whiplash from that that overcorrection, but it was a, it was a nice change from Donald Fagan. Oh yeah, I mean, that is that's slick and it's it's slick on purpose, but uh yeah, this was great. It was just there, there's a raw energy in it, and there's uh, there's just some things that they do on here, especially with the violin and the drums. Like Paul Olive, she's uh, you'd think there were three or four different drummers on this record. She's the best drummer. It's like my favorite fucking drumming on any record, man. It's so like the coconut toms, you know, her style. It's so wild and erratic, but still like keeps it together. There's yeah. nothing yeah. else. I like mean, it. and it can be, and then un, it's subdued at times too. Sure. I mean, she's just everything. It's just, yeah. she's, I was, that's, that's what really caught my attention was the violin and the drums. Cause they're, they're used so differently on each track. Yeah. Now, now, now David for years, I'm assuming that, you know, you've told people about the raincoats and it's like a hidden gem. Um, it's not so hidden anymore. No. You guys realize that on the most recent Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time, this is on Move there. I'm up to 398. 398. Do you want to hear what's sandwiched around the raincoats? Of course. Why not? Here we go. So 398. So at 400 is the Go-Go's Beauty and the Beat. 399 is Brian Wilson's Smile. 397 is Billie Eilish's When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? 
Todd Rundgren is at 396 with something, anything. And then um, skipping to 393, Taylor Swift's 1989. Wow. So varied. So they're, they're no longer, I would say, based off of being in that same vicinity in the, uh, in the, the top albums of all time, it's not such a hidden gem. Like people are starting to, I think, know this because it's so influential, man. I mean, that's what's so. I mean, that's awesome. I wish, like, I wish this was everybody's favorite record. I love the world if they just like took this thing and <laughs> this is everyone's favorite record. Like, that'd be sick. All right, before we jump in track by track, let me see, David, if you can name the members of the band. Gina can you name Bert. the members of the band? Yeah, Gina Birch on bass, Anna De Silvia plays guitar, the vocals, Paul Olive, drummer, and Vicky Aspinall on the violin. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. I love this album. I, I can tell. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's dive into this. So, before I talk about the scoring, so you sent me an email the other day and basically said, um, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this scoring thing." <laughs> which um, I'm not surprised. So let me, let me just tell you. So you come from, uh, you know, I mentioned that Rosalie uh, referred you over to us. Mm-hmm. So you come from this line, this referral trail of punk centric musicians. And like looking at this line, Wayne, so going back to like Eric Davidson from the new bomb Turks, he didn't pick the obvious dead boys debut record. He picked the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mighty Joe Vincent could have picked some of the more popular Ramones records. He went with, what was it? Pleasant dreams. Yep. Uh, Ronnie Barnett could have picked the next get the knack. Yeah. He picked the second record. Um, and then Chris Forsyth, he went with a ZZ Top record that I absolutely adore now, but I can tell you that most people didn't know, don't know it. Was it Tejas? He went with Tejas. Sick. Such a good record. It's so good. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, you, you guys are all from this referral trail are picking the, 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 the less obvious stuff which that's exactly what this podcast is about. So I get it that you don't want to score it. That's very punk. Um, we're still going to score it, and then you can just make fun of our scores. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, um, the reason I'm not scoring is because I just think it's one beautiful thing, that it's all the yeah. same sediment, you know? It's just one It's one shot. So to, like, divide it up and say that this moment is better than that moment, I think it's all one moment, you know? That's my that's fair my enough. Point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as a reminder, and this is more for Wayne, not for David. As a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs are we scoring? Eleven. So that that means our top song is going to get eleven points. Next favorite song, ten points, down to lowest score of one. Um, I'm prefacing this with so we're doing the CD version of this because the original release 
does not include Fairy Tale in the Supermarket, which is the lead track um, on on the CD. Um, that was the that was the band's first single, not included on that um, on that first vinyl, mm-hmm. but has been on on all wow. the reissues since 1993. And since we only know the reissue version, um, that's that's the one we're going to score. That's the only one I know. Yeah, so if there's any diehard Raincoats fans dating back to the original vinyl um, that don't agree with my decision, you know, sorry. <laughs> my apologies. Um, all right, so let's kick this off. This is Fairy Tale in the Supermarket. Drummers. Was Paul Molive on this original uh, on this original track? Because I know they've kind of had a revolving door of drummers since this. Right? She was the the drummer in the band up until like a couple months after this record came out. Okay. So I love the drumming on this song. It's the best. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, the whole rhythm section on this whole album is just so good well like the first the first line which i had because you sent the lyrics over and i'd always misheard it i thought it was it makes no difference uh like all things but it's actually night or day um which is like it's kind of getting at the same gist but just like that total fucking kick of nihilism at the beginning you know to my little child ears were like fuck this is this is my thing um but it's it, i like that it's night or day i think that's maybe a better line yeah um, but i mean it's just like one of the best pop songs ever written <laughs> you know like uh i don't know i mean yeah just the introduction of the drumming you know like palm olive's particular style it's like the way like mayo thompson was one of the producers on this record, which, okay. uh, you know, you guys know Mayo Thompson, the red Crayola. I don't, I oh, in the red Crayola. He's like a Texas dude who's in this great psych band, uh, red Crayola. And then, uh, he was over working at rough trade, but there was like a few albums that they put him on the production when they started making records, like the, the falls grotesque. He also okay. produced, but, uh, this one, I think it it, it kind of it kind of sounds a little bit has like this dry kind of odd thing like uh, Corky pays a debt to his father his solo record but it's like a more uh, I, I don't know it's more it I don't know what it's more but it's something it's like improved <laughs> upon it's something it's more. it's and I love that record I love Corky's debt to his father but what's going on with the production with this shit is like the best like the drums how they just have a little bit of slapback. You know, the tones that the guitar is abrasive, but it's not too high in the mix. It's not like, 
yeah ear ear crushing but it's slicing you know i i don't know it just sets the stage of just like this is going to be a heavy fucking trip <laughs> wayne what do you got on this one well yeah at, the way it starts is just classic i mean this has a much more like traditional punk rock sound to it i definitely and this was released in november of 79 london calling was released in the december of 1979 because they are lost in the same supermarket i mean yeah. this the the song <laughs> what she's singing about and the you know this you know this disillusionment with with all of it it's nothing matters reread the same books you know it's all you know rubbish and and that you cannot Angelus, shop happily. Yeah. Oh, the best the best line in the whole thing is the uh, the roots of your thoughts. They're essentially polaroidal. Polaroidal. I, I'm not yes. even sure that's a word, but you it it's just not. captures it captures but that image it. of that instant gratification. This picture is right there, just like that. Easy, cheap, and done with. But what really links it to the clash for me is that they're playing that. That it's a very similar riff to "I Fought the Law" on a fucking violin. That I that's that just blew me away. Yeah, I never put that together. Yeah. That's cool. All right, um, so this is a part, David, where we um, get scores. So this is my ten, uh, Wayne. <laughs> oh, this, yeah, this is my eleven. This was my favorite song. I thought they came out. I can see why they would have released this as a single first. This is this is a. Just a piece of punk rock history. David, do I even ask for your score? Uh, I'll say for the record, uh, 11. There you go. Okay. (laughs) I have a feeling you're going to be saying that a lot. All right. uh, Next song is No Side to Fall In. This is shortest song on the record at a minute and 50 seconds. Lyrically, not a whole lot to the song. It's like verse, chorus, and repeat. Um, but this sets up the record for, I think, the artistic renderings that you're going to hear throughout the rest of the album. Because like you said, Wayne, that's a perfect single to start it off with Fairy Tale in the Supermarket. But now you're getting into the 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 heart of the record and you know david i totally get what you're saying with this is all one artistic piece because this is this song really sets that up for sure yeah it's like uh there's you know like the history of the band is like they're all squatting at this time around london no one has jobs maybe i you know i probably because the market's shit at the time too, but also unintentionally, like they don't want to fucking work. They just want to be in a band. But I mean, it seems like all this, all the lyrics and shit are about these like self political, you know, like in this song, you know, my mind, my life, it's like, you know, what I want to do with my choices. Uh, It's so much about, you know, not saying political things, but just the living is political in itself. And that, yeah, that just turned yeah. me on to like such a, it, cause it seeps in. It's a, when you listen, you can just keep listening to this album and it just becomes part of your life. It just seeps in. And that's what yeah. happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. No side to fall in. It just, it felt like you can't categorize me. Yeah. Like we can't, we're not going to fit into any, 
any one box. And that makes complete sense for this record. Definitely. Yeah, I think if somebody from the band hears what I just said about lo-fi, they're probably going to send me a nasty email. <laughs> That's not the genre. We're genreless or whatever it is. Oh, I bet they'd be so happy they wouldn't even care. They seem like the <laughs> sweetest people, man. <laughs> All right. Um, Wayne, your score. And I think now the love affair has begun. I'm just throwing my high scores out. This was my 10. I love the way they use the violin almost as a lead guitar. Uh, and then I, 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 I thought it was a cool touch at the end. They kind of go acapella, mm-hmm. which was a nice way to end it. Yeah. All right. This is my five. And then um, David. 11. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adventures Close to Home. any notes for this i did highlight a bunch of the lyrics though because full of myself i left you behind as if i could possessed by quixote's dream went to fight dragons in the land of concrete yeah this this goes back to what we're what we've talked about on other you know more punk records that we've talked about wayne with we're just gonna fight the establishment and that that feels like yeah, the establishment it right? had a real coming of age feel to it like uh leaving your parents and making your own your own way and you know and falling in love and it being a shit show and and just everything that goes along with going out on your own and making your own choices and and you know what some of them don't work out and there's no the way she you know the way she sings it it's very it's very even keel through the whole thing it just you know what it didn't work. Oh, well, try something new. Keep going. But they're my choices. It's my decision. This is what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. Uh, yeah. When she's singing, don't take it personal. I feel like it's probably directed towards, you know, a mom or a dad or a sibling or whatever. Yeah, that's how I took it. Who's probably going, you know, this punk thing that you're doing and the squatting thing that you're doing, is this really a good choice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's almost like the song's like a journey in itself or whatever you know like the first yeah. verse is very pissed and the second verse is you know you're living in squalor and dealing with that and then like the third verse it becomes the quest of self and like why you're following this you know is like to find yourself like the, the realization of why you're doing this journey or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure all right Wayne, score? A seven. And I'm matching your seven. And then David? That's a 11 for me. That's 11. All right. Um, Off-duty trip is next.
I think we need to set this up. So for 1979, this seems like a very scathing commentary on how men view women. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is brutal. This is one of the, the this is one of those songs where I would say it's not my favorite, but I think it's the best song on here. Like this is uh, just those machine gun drum beats that come that they just intersperse in it, and then this absolutely brutal story. I mean, I'm the father of three daughters, and like this thing, it almost it's one of the, it almost makes you sick. Like it makes you queasy yeah. when you read it. It's it is horrifying, and I mean, and she's absolutely right. The way the 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 the, per, the from the character that's singing the song is already knows all of the explanations that they're going to give to justify this. It's it, it was heartbreaking. It was uh, it, this is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're and they make reference to the page three girls, which um, for us Americans and may not know about English. <laughs> papers so that was infamous back in the day you know they would have these big boobed beauties um on page three of what which newspaper was it daily mirror or something like that yeah and or the sun or the sun yeah and and those essentially as it references in the in the, the the song um they would pin those girls up on the wall and I kind of felt as though I I found some symbolism in that of the you know the pins being tacked on the wall, symbolic of women being stuck as you know inanimate objects, only there to you know soothe the minds of soldiers. You know, because a soldier's life is very it, tough. More, well, I looked at it even yeah I I can see that, but I just looked at it in the physical sense of just of pinning someone to the wall. Um, as in context of this whole story, but just the line, it's not just to kiss you owe me. And then I bought you a drink. I mean, like I say, throwing out all of the things that she knows are going to be used. I think there's a reference to how she's dressed at one point that last first though, the seaside town off duty trip, taking flesh, going to let it rip is just literally almost, it's like visceral. It's hor- It's, it's horrifying. But that's a part of the, you know, like the, I mean that everyone's, that these women are living through that all women are living yeah, through, you know, this it's, is real it's life, life yeah. under the oppression of patriarchy that, you know, it's just like set aside and that they're, they're going through. Yeah. But there's yeah, no jail I, for the professional. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like the, the songs like this that like, don't, you know, you get the sweet, I'm falling in love and stuff, but it's like, this grounds the shit in the earth. Like this shit's, it's like journalism or something, you know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then the one of the, and then in between all of these very brutally honest verses is this sing along chorus where everybody joins in. It's just it's yeah. so unbelievable. And just musically how the how the, the tempo slows down, the drums hit it just to make it land even more, which is like a trick they use on this whole album, but it's like one of the coolest tricks. Not people don't utilize that enough, the tempo change. Yeah. Like it. Um all right, this is my eight. Wayne? Uh, nine. Uh, Eleven. <laughs> All right, next song, Black and White. Black and white. 
really have no idea what the lyrics of this particular song means. Um, Laura Logic is playing the saxophone on this, which I will just throw out there. I didn't really enjoy that instrumentation. Oh, I, lo- I love it. I, you know what's funny, though? I get it. It has a, this unnerving nature about it, which just felt perfect because the song to me feels like it's about boredom. Okay. Um, but it, it, and it's got this great kind of buzzcocks, almost, you know, power punk kind of feel yeah, to it. Um, I and I thought that that sax, which it, it's very, it's almost, uh, it's just unnerving. Like it doesn't sound right, but it just feels perfect for well, the Well, you song. finally got into that Coltrane record that we talked about, and I just never got into it. So uh, I can in and out, I seconds can, here and there. But yeah. I, oh, he's, I can yeah. see that. But this is not the same kind of sax. No. But uh, this is like, but it just felt like they were. It's there to grate on your nerves. Like when someone's when it's being done for a purpose. It, it's there's a there's a bad sax, and then there's someone playing a sax in a way that's supposed to keep you like on your toes. Keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. keep your eyes open and your ears open. Yeah, I, See, I think it's like an unrequited love song, you know, and like the sax and all all the instrumentation is just like the uneasiness of it. There's like this bliss that's going on. You get you know, it's like. Is it love when I see your face on the rails, when I fear you talking to me, when I don't know who you are, you know, where it's just like this very distance thing. Like it's like riding the train, you know, and making up a story about someone on the ride and you see that in, you know, it's just like this uneasiness. It's not, it's not sure, but it's there. I like it. All right. It's good. Glad we had you on. David. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> uh, Wayne, Wayne, what do you got for a score? Uh, eight. All right. I'm just still in love with this record. Yeah. All right. This is my four. And um, it's my eleven. Do, do I even? It's my eleven. Uh, yeah. okay. All right. All right. Next song is their version of Lola. that was originally done by the kinks which um i i love the fact so i'm going to give them bonus points because usually usually if if you throw a cover on an album i'm not going to i'm not going to score it really high because i'm like you know that's kind of lazy um but i'm going to give them bonus points because i love the fact that they don't ever change any of the the genders in the singing of this like like for could, instance you know, they could have they could have of uh, of done the role reversal you know because ray davies he's a male he's singing he sings the original one i love the fact that they're females and they're singing i'm not the world's most physical guy well here's my take on this because i i've I listened to this. I remember this. I remember the Kinks version, and but the Kinks version always came off as a joke. Like it was a punchline to the DJs on the radio stations. I, didn't I mean, think it was. You know, gender. Oh no, it was absolutely. Always, Maybe it was on KISW, a, a it was. But 
I don't know. Yeah, well, that was the big rock radio station yeah. where we lived. So, That's true. but I mean, it was always taken. The tongue it was taken is in, in a joking manner. Like she's a dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they did this totally serious, and it took it. They took that joke away from it, and at the and when you look yes. at it, I mean, this this is very. This is. A, I mean, if you can you imagine this uh, young guy who now just thinks he just met the the girl of his dreams and it's a guy. But I, to me, the f- best line in this that I've heard a million times, but never really resonated as it did at, in their version is it's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world, except for Lola. The only person in this song who is completely comfortable with and knows who they are mm-hmm. is Lola. Mm-hmm. They never doubt who they are. They are who they are the whole time. And I never really got that before in the kinks version and it it really put this in a whole different perspective and i felt like they did it to take that that tongue-in-cheek and that joke part away from it and say this is a this is something that actually does happen and there are and this issue i mean because transgender issues had been touched on and get back by the beatles and uh walk on the wild side this is the only song that's about it from beginning to end and uh i thought they they took that joke away and i thought that was that's cool for a lack of a better that, word. But even yeah, even with those other songs, they look at it in an insincere way, or it's just kind of this like exotic, you know, kind of othering of it, you know, where it's just like, oh, this only happens in New York. This I this is just such a brutally honest they take the the and make it a love song, like a true, true love song, you know, and then just it, it's it's yeah. one of the most beautiful yeah. takes. Also, your thing about not liking covers on albums. Like, what do you do when you hear fucking all along the Watchtower by Jimmy Jimi Hendrix? Well, th- there are all, exceptions. There are yeah, exceptions. Some people th- like he took that song by force. Like, I don't. That that's a Jimi Hendrix song at this point. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. it, you know, it wasn't Bob Dylan. So. Sorry, I don't mean to. I don't mean to point fingers, but I just love covers. I love when people do covers. Yeah. I, I I know I listened to your Beatles record. <laughs> Got a few others. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um and and back to your point Wayne of of you know this being a serious song them taking this very seriously. I think that that's the whole point of them singing the lyrics as it was written by Ray because like they just completely skew up the gender identity with, with this. Um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just feel like they kind of take that, that whole gender identity thing back by singing it with the female voice, as opposed to changing the words up to say, well, I'm not the most physical gal instead of guy, for instance. Yeah, and, and like I say, and I, I, I just think that they sang it to give some some credibility to the to the subject, and 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 almost yeah. saying it didn't it didn't matter. The uh, to me, the perspective of the gender singing it is irrelevant to it, and that's that was what yep. they that's what they did. They they took they took gender out of the singer and put put everything yes. on to those two characters in the song. And it gives it gave me much more compassion for the the guy the person singing the song as opposed and 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 more respect for Lola in this as as for the fact that that's the one person in this song who already knew they know who they are and they from the beginning. Yep. Yeah, if love's there, it's not a joke. 
you know, that's what it shows. Yep. yep. Um, you guys listen to the new Aaron Lee Tazian record? I have. Um, so there's there's one line in it, and I'm probably slaughtering it from Up All Night, where he talks about I broke up with my boyfriend to get in with my girlfriend, and so it, it, that you know same thing where let's just blur the gender identity stuff. Who cares? So go for happiness wherever you find it. All right, scores. This is my nine. Wayne? Six. David? Full on 11. Full on 11. All right. Next song is The Void. One last note from the previous song. I just have the drumming. That's all I put. Dude, the, br- the bridge, the bridge smokes the Kinks bridge. Yeah. Dude, dude, the harmonies over it. Yeah. It, it's such a better uh, arrangement of that song. I mean, the yeah, the Kinks version is sick. It moves really awesome. It's It's such a groovy tune, but like this is just something else, man. Yeah. You ever covered Lola? No. No? Because they covered it and they did the best cover. So there's no reason to cover it. <laughs> it's right. covered as well as it can. Yeah. Uh, so I just talked about the drumming for Lola. Um, my notes here for The Void is that bass, though. Yeah. Uh, Gina, Gina doesn't stop, man. She like All of her bass lines on this record are just like liquid. Yeah. And just bounce around, you know? It's just like a counter melody to the melody. It's so cool. So in the background, I know that I hear a violin. Is there also an accordion? Because I couldn't find any additional. That's the violin. That is the violin? Yeah. that's And ultimately, that was my, I, it was tough to come up with something to say was my least favorite. Because all of the songs at least have parts of them that I, that I really like. And if not for the, if not the whole thing. And in this one. The violin I thought was used a little more conventionally at the other parts they'd used it as, and a lot of times they'll use it almost as a sound effect. They've used it as a lead guitar. And then here it was just kind of played as a violin and it has kind of a kazooish nature to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus hole covered it and anything Courtney Love touched. I know, but I, I, I never heard the whole version. So it, that didn't I want to hear it. Yeah. It has a somewhat of like a slam it. poetry feel to it that I, I could say this uh, one, something had to be my least favorite. And I would say this was my least favorite. Oh man. I, this one's so haunting to me, man. Me too. It's yeah. It wheezes and just like, it's like a fucking ghost. I didn't want this to be my top song because lyrically there's not a whole lot going on but i caught myself when i would go back to listening to this to you know finalize notes i kept going back to the song and that's usually how i judge what's my favorite on the record is what are the songs that i'm going back and listening to and i went back and listened to this a lot and maybe it's 
like I, I love a good bass riff and the bass is just hypnotic in mm-hmm. this one so it's just how this band works together as a full-on rhythm unit is just like kind of untouchable yeah you know it's so because it's like the time it's not about solid time it's like their time ebbs and flows together you know it's such a cool thing that it's like simpatico of people that have been together for so long that can only be created that way yeah yeah you know that's that's the neatest thing we're gonna be on polar opposites here wayne this is my (laughs) 11 wow and i don't know that that's happened before where your favorite has been my least favorite Uh, which i can say it's just it's not that i don't like it it just it had i thought they'd use the violin so well and i and in the next song they're back to using it in a in a in a way that just blows my mind do you know who agrees with me though hey david what's your (laughs) score that's true (laughs) That's, that's right. That's an eleven. That's an eleven here. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, next song is "Life on the Line." And what I found on this was, like, I. I wrote in my notes, the mood of this music almost seems cheery. And then I did some research and it was penned by the original guitarist, Russ Crichton about a suicide that happened in the UK. So I don't know if I need to scratch those original thoughts of the mood of the music almost seems cheery to me anyways so the suicide was it her jumping in front of a train yeah yeah okay wow i didn't know that uh yeah because the song like how it it moves like a train yes you know i mean there's all the lines about the train but it's just like it has that chug that slow down speed up thing or it's like the the train comes to a halt when she scrap when she shouts steel wheels yep and then it, it, she couldn't, you know, ch- 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 chugs back up. I mean, it's so sick, you know, just like the musical alliteration they use. Yeah. Rhythmic poetry. Longest song on the record at four minutes, 23 minutes, uh, 23 seconds. Um, this is not a long record, by the way. Like you can, you'll get through the whole thing in 34 minutes. Yeah. Um, Wayne, what do you got on this one? Uh, I didn't know about the suicide part. I mean, looking over it now, and it definitely feels like it's told from the opposite gender that she, as the singer, because because uh, that that it really starts ominous. But they're using that violin again as like a lead guitar. Um, but yeah, that it has a, it definitely had a feel like you can now knowing that you can see the story. You know, the arguments with the you know her logic is tangled. Um, and there's they, but they they create a lot of tension with that violin that I don't think I don't know that an electric guitar could do. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, scores, Wayne. Four. And then um, David. Eleven. And this is my three. All right. Next song is "You're a Million.
There are a few songs on this album that sound like early Cure tunes. I think this is the one that kind of fits that mood the best. Maybe it's the most Patti Smith of the songs on the record. You know, I, I told you that the I second lyrically, record is very Patti Smith, but yeah. yeah. It's definitely a city love song, which is like a Patti Smith kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wayne, what do you got on this? Yeah, this I like the I like the drums in this. I I think that can be said about any any of these songs. But I really I like the drumming. Um, but it, there was something about the pace, and it did have, like you say, Patty Smith. It had this real avant garde kind of uh, feel to it that, yeah. And I just couldn't make heads or tails of the lyrics, and I don't, I guess that always frustrates me. But I like the ending with the unison singing, where a million, you know, when they they do that line, where a million, a million to, to come, come and where a million, million to go, to go. Yeah. at the end. It finishes strong. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, that that the bridge, man. The the when the drums just speed up to where they're out of control and everyone's the whole band's just like trying to hang on to it. That's like, I think I think maybe one of the two most exciting parts on the record, man. It always gets my blood going. Yeah. All right. Um, I feel bad about my score. Now that David keeps throwing out the 11s. Um, this is my two. Wayne? I gave it a three. Okay. Right. So, guys, I think you're wrong. It's an 11. <laughs> Next song is In Love. can't hear this song without thinking about little nemo <laughs> i've watched way too many disney and pixar movies um when she's saying my 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 all i can hear is the seagulls from that movie going mine 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 oh okay yeah uh, i was curious where that was coming from can, can you tell that i'm a dad and have watched way too many disney movies i like that yet i like that wayne what do you got you know what I the song there's a the lyrics the lead vocals over the top with that kind of that stutter scream thing was distracting to what I could I felt like I could hear underneath it sounded like a like a better song and yeah. it just I couldn't I couldn't I, I couldn't get past it uh, it feels it does ca- I'd like to say I think that is on purpose because this feels like the first day after a breakup and so there really is this kind of this mental turmoil that's created by this other person stuttering and screaming over the top of this of this song, um, and the bass the bass and the drums in this are are once again off the hook. They're they're mesmerizing. They they it was put me in a trance, dude. That interpretation that was, I was knocked out of my. That interpretation is genius. Now I feel bad about my score. Oh yeah, well, I, yeah I do too. I'm, I may I may pull a David on this. I may I may just give this an eleven and say screw my my score. Um, David, what what do you got on on uh, in love? I mean, it's just they have such a cool move with their love songs, where it's not just this blissful thing. You know, it's like you get the sick feeling of it. 
this like good malaise of just like confused, like the confusion of love, you know, that's like, that's really sonically addressed. I like, I'm trying, I'm spacing to think of like what other records really like get that where it's like, it feels good. It's got a major thing, but it's like, it's disorienting sweet, you know, and it's got, yeah, the, the like kind of like jitter orgasm, chorus where it's just like this big ball of confusion of love i mean like what it truly is when it starts you know i just i don't know that i, I thought it was interesting it was like an after the breakup song though because it because it can go both ways you know that feeling yeah. i suppose i like it all right i don't want to tell you my score now it was my next to least favorite song i gave it a two all right this is my least favorite song and um, but I'm wow. going to give it an 11. Two ones. <laughs> David, what's your score? That's an 11. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap this up. This is the last song. This is No Looking. This was adapted by the raincoats from a poem by Jacques Prévert. And I don't know if I even said that right. If it's French, the T is probably silent. Um, okay. That's all I remember Prévert. from French class. Is that Prévert? <laughs> Prévert? No, I'm not, I'm not French. So I'm just, it looks like, it looks like pervert, but it's Prévert. Yeah. We'll go, we'll go with that, and that and that would be the reason because um, the first time I listened to this, I'm like, the lyrics don't sound like the rest of the record. The mood of the music does, but the lyrics don't, and that's that would be that would be the reason why. And I think it's a really good way to wrap up the record. Yeah, I, I like the sequencing of this record. Yeah, I mean that the. The end of this song, oh, the way it builds up yeah. and gets into that is like, it's the most euphoric part of the record. It's so crazy. Yeah, I'd agree. Wayne, any, um, any last notes on no yeah, looking? The, the, the drums on this were my favorite part. Like I, it's, and I describe them as primal and subdued, which I'm not even sure that you can do that, but she does it. And so it's, it's, and like I say, the violin is again used to create like all this depth and tension. And this, so this poem is read and then they just go, they just punk rock it up at the end and they just speed up and everybody joins in, the guitars come in. And then I think it just, there's a big cymbal crash and it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. David, any, any last thoughts on no looking? Uh, it's just a perfect song. Perfectly executed. I mean, and, to take that, I you know, so I, I think it's like the, the I think this is the breakup song, you know, or it's maybe that's why it's used after in love. That's where I think it's 
those two songs kind of go together from the good to the bad. Yeah. And then it's just over. But I like it. It's just me and Frank. All right. Um, this is my six. Wayne. Five. David. Gotta go out in an eleven. All right. Um, so this is where I I ask, um, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I think we got most of this one. Yeah, I, think we got <laughs> yeah. it. I think we got it. David, what yeah. do you think? Did we get it? It feels very uh satisfactory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> satisfactory. Right. It feels very eleven. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Okay. Yep. Very eleven. All right. Um so this is where we determine our top five songs off the record. Um we're we're throwing out all of David's we're throwing out his high score and his low score. Um so this is this is just based off of Wayne and my rankings. Wayne, any any guesses on number one? Uh a fairy tale in the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, average score of 10.5 for that. So that's our number one off duty trip. I think it's, uh, our second with an 8.5 got a tie for third, which is no side to fall in and the cover of Lola. And then rounding out the top five with, um, our double sevens, which is adventures close to home, but they're all 11s according to David. You know, and I, I don't, I, I do agree with them. I don't dispute that at all. I had to rank them by my favorites, uh, but this is this record. Literally, I, I listened to it, I bet fifteen or sixteen times in the last week, uh, and it, it just blew my mind. I, I, I just couldn't believe that I hadn't heard it before. I was, I, I, it was absolutely clear why Kurt Cobain would would have found this and thought this was one of his favorite records. It's, it's one of my favorite records. Yeah. Yeah. The best pop songs all in this like unorthodox presentation, you know? Yeah. Thanks for bringing this up. Oh yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. This was, yeah. this, was this was a lot of fun. Um, so, so tell people where they can find all the happenings of David Nance. Oh, I'm on a, I got a band camp. Okay. It's under my name. And, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Just David Kenneth Nance. All right. My middle name and my, my mom name. Yeah, I was trying to find you on Twitter. That's where I spend most of the time on the socials is Twitter. Oh, yeah. I don't do that one. Okay. You're and, you're a good yeah. man for not doing that. I try. <laughs> I try not to get too much time. Wayne, Wayne handles the Instagram. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on talking about the socials, but Wayne Wayne handles the Instagram page for us, and um, uh, I do the Facebook and the Twitter, which I think he won in that equation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So last question for you, David, because we got hooked up with you because we asked Rosalie, who do you know that we don't know? that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. So who do you know that, that we should be inviting to, to be on our podcast? You should get Simon Joyner to come and do it. Okay. Tell me about Simon Joyner. Uh, he's from Omaha. He's just been doing it for he's singer songwriter. He's been doing it for a while. Uh, I think his first tape came out in like 
early nineties. Okay. I ninety two. I you know, he'll he'll say I'm wrong, whatever. So I don't want to say the exact year. But uh he's yeah, what he's done like fifteen records or something like that. I played in his band for a little bit, but he's just a massive head, record head, turned me on to a bunch of stuff. Um, so I think you could do a deep dive with the dude. Is is he gonna be cool with our scoring <laughs> mechanism here? I could see, yeah, I could see him doing that. Okay, maybe I don't know. I mean, it just seems like a tough thing because it's like someone when they bring in their favorite record. I, 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 is that the whole thing, or is they just like do other people just bring in a record? It's is it normal? Yeah, we we call it the records revisited remorse because um, you know we we make people score the records and usually there's a lot of pain and suffering involved when we yeah. when we tell people that they have to score this and tell us what their favorites are and what their least favorites are look we get it like we all have these favorite records where it's like my favorite this week is x and my f- favorite song next week is going to be y so we we uh-huh. we get it yeah we get it it's all good right I hope. I hope it's all good. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just like, you know, everything's judged. <laughs> you know, since everything's got to be ranked. So I just, I wanted to protest against it, but nothing against you, y'all. You, it's okay. You can rage against that machine. It's all, uh-huh. it's all good. Yeah. We, we got that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Uh, already mentioned the socials and of course you can find all of our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on all of those please go subscribe and rate or review us it's been a while since we've had a rating on on apple podcast so if you're listening to this could give us a little love thanks you doing any live streams not not coming up not really okay all right. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You'll 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 find out why I asked that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. So please go support your favorite musicians on any of the live stream events that they're doing. Buy a T-shirt of the band. Buy a record. M- maybe not Staunch Honey because it's sold out, but you know, you, when it when it's repressed, right? David, Mm -hmm. when it's repressed? Okay. Yeah, end of the month. Cool. And you can go visit a record store. Just be safe. Mask up. You know the drill, guys. Be safe out there. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Out. Out. Out.